There's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. In other words, people and relationships are at the heart of success. As a company, we know we are nothing without our partners. Not just our co-implementers and small businesses, but more importantly, our local partners in the countries where we work. Those partners are absolutely key to our success. Development is inherently local and collaborative. Local leadership and participation gets development done. To go far, we need to go together. From DAI's global development team, I'm Megan Howe, and you're listening to The Practice of Partnership, a podcast about how local partnership is the cornerstone of sustainable, impactful development. In this series, we'll explore the key ingredients of local partnership success, and most importantly, hear from local partners themselves about how relationships have helped drive growth. On this episode, we unpack what partnership is and explore why partnership spurs economic growth and development. Let's hear from one of our local partners first. Uh, my name is, is uh, Ahmed Umar. I am CEO Office Director for uh, Shabelle Bank. Shabelle Bank is a large commercial bank in Ethiopia with thousands of customers. Recently, they've added 70,000 more, thanks to a partnership with the SHARP Project, a UK aid project that's exploring how to bring markets to refugees. SHARP illuminated a completely untapped market for Shabelle. Somali refugees. Refugees needed bank accounts to transfer money and access credit, and Shabelle needed more customers. Shabelle Bank has successfully grown the digital financial uh, surface market uh, into refugees. Because uh, the previous time, we didn't understand that on the refugees, there is a market. But when we set up on the SHARP project, we understand that uh, there is a hidden business market on the refugees. And this project is uh, makes great uh, for us. The other thing is Shabba and the bank transactions are increasing day after day due to the project. Uh, with the addition of 47,500 active customers after the, the project initiated. Shabelle uh, Bank has grown its customer base, its revenue, and its competitiveness. Then the communities, they started uh, some small businesses, and their small business became great day after day. And then uh, it changes their lives. It's true. The refugees Ahmed is talking about got access to credit, started businesses, and became able to provide for themselves. He says refugee customers now complete over $6 million a day worth of transactions. Development agencies have long understood that partnership between international and local development actors makes development work, but that knowledge has continued to evolve in recent years. I spent the first 20 years of my career working on the ground in Africa and Asia, and then the second 20 years working in Washington, D.C. alongside USAID as a chief of party for DAI. And I've watched that long arc of development bend toward greater and greater inclusivity in partners. I think today the leadership for development is clearly shifting to 
the many dynamic local partners who are leading this work. And this has been a continuum of change. Uh, 40 years ago, I remember it was bringing in civil society organizations. And 20 years ago, we were all waking up to the role of the private sector. And today, it's all about local partners. For me, this is just part of a long continuum of change that's been taking place over decades. That's Christy Reagan. She's a vice president of strategic engagement at DAI. And as you've just heard, she has a long history in development. Local partnership is really aligning uh, organizations that are living and working on the ground in the emerging markets and developing countries where DAI has its projects. And it's aligning those uh, local organizations with the funding and the resources from the other mostly non-local partners. And these include the donors and philanthropy and governments and large international business. We're definitely a partner to local partners. And these local partners are also a growing uh, category of actors. It can include uh, NGOs, professional organizations like a local rotary, or Chamber of Commerce. It includes businesses from the micro businesses all the way up to the larger uh, banks and, um, and other large uh, businesses in these countries. They're churches and youth groups, and it goes on and on and on. And I think the critical thing is that all of these local organizations bring relevant context. They understand what the problems are, and they understand what the what solutions will work and also what won't work. And they are deeply committed to solving the pressing challenges that are around them in their communities because they're not going anywhere. And they're trying to build a better world for their children and their children's children. And I think that's what makes local so powerful is that multi-generational commitment. Local partners bring knowledge and, more importantly, a deep, enduring commitment to their countries. Local partners know that their children will grow up in the schools they are supporting, the roads they helped build, and the hospitals they staff. They have a natural vested interest in achieving durable results. Christy says local partnerships matter for three reasons. I I think for some time now, we've all realized that there are no single-actor solutions. The world's biggest challenges need three critical ingredients to solve them. And all of three of these critical ingredients today come best from local partners. The first ingredient I would flag is innovation. Somebody from Google once told me that Google was the world's most innovative company, not because they invented something totally new and cool, but because they put together pieces that were already out there that had already been built by others. And they just put them together in unique ways, in this case, using the Google algorithms. And I think that's a model for the kind of innovation that local partners are the best guides to. Um, Mixing those ingredients that are already out there in ways that really respond to their local problem with their local solution. I think the second critical ingredient that that comes from local is scale. And to get scale, you have to stitch together or replicate solutions 
with these local refinements over and over and over again until we're seeing impact at a level and with such extensive geographical coverage that we can get the kind of shifts, the transformative shifts that we're talking about in development. I think the third piece is sustainability. Uh, these innovative, highly tailored solutions impacting a problem locally can only endure with local hands. Donor programs that DEI implements, they last three years, five years, maybe 10 if we're really lucky. But sustainability requires the continued unwavering presence and commitment that carries on through local action, local leadership um, for decades. As Chrissy says, strong partnerships can help us find new solutions to our society's biggest problems. And to drive development impact, those partnerships need to expand beyond the public and civil society sphere to the private sector. There's a phrase in the in the innovation space that says um, it takes a village to raise a startup. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zaki Rahim. I am a director at DAI Sustainable Business Group, uh, the corporate consulting arm of DAI. I think innovation is the concept of, of a new idea being brought to a certain marketplace, a certain community, right? And so all actors in a certain community or ecosystem or country or region can bring innovation in some ways, right? We talk about business model innovation, we talk about tech innovation, and we talk about social innovation. Innovation can often come from unlikely places. Take Cosmos Energy, for example, an energy firm drilling offshore near Ghana. As part of its corporate responsibility strategy, it engaged DAI to set up an innovation center in Ghana to help drive business solutions to some of the country's biggest challenges. Cosmos Energy was looking to restructure its corporate social investment or CSR programming in West Africa. What we were asked to help design was a new type of program that was supporting the agriculture sector, which is the largest employer in the country. And we were offering young people as they were graduating an opportunity to become part of this, what we call the Agritech Challenge. So that's the first stage, a nine-month training program that culminates in rounds of pitch events where the young people, some of the winners, go into our incubator. Listen here to one of the success stories. Here, partnership clearly helped fuel innovation, which in turn fueled growth and impact. One of the, the success stories of the Ghana Cosmos Innovation Center is a, is a dynamic group of young people who started a company called Tro Tro Tractor the Uber for tractors in Ghana. And they saw that on many of the larger farms in Ghana, there were tractors that often um, were not being used for large portions of the year. And many, many small farmers who would never be able to afford tractors. So they set up devices on tractors where it's a win-win-win situation where smallholder farmers and farming associations that may not be able to afford uh, to purchase a tractor, we're able to purchase tractor hours and till more land, right? So I would define that as business model innovation, tech innovation to an extent, and reaching last mile communities as social innovation. 
Local companies are the engine of development in emerging and frontier markets. No one knows this better than Victor Basta, head of DAI's investment advisory arm. DAI Magister facilitates large capital investments for scalable companies in emerging markets, allowing businesses to grow and change their communities for the better. I've been working with growth companies and uh, CEOs and their boards for about 25 plus years. You know, my focus over that whole time has been helping growth companies to catalyze the next stage of their growth or development, as opposed to working with large corporates or working directly with any specific investors. So typically, it's a company that's already raised one or two rounds of money that's already gotten to 10 to $20 million of revenue and is growing quickly, typically 50% or more a year still. And in an African context, they will have several hundred employees. We're currently involved in about a third of all of the large fundraising that are going on in Africa at the moment. Victor says investment or equity partnerships are some of the most permanent and committed types of partnerships that exist. Five or 10 years is the equivalent of forever for these kinds of companies. If you're growing 50% a year, you know, you are completely different in three years as a company. So, um, I mean, the equivalent in a kind of infrastructure project or a government project would probably be 20 or 30 years. It is effectively for life. It's more permanent than a marriage, more permanent than um, almost any kind of staged project that people would do in partnership with others. Because once you've sold equity to somebody, they're in for five to 10 years. And, you know, the company will probably change and change again during that time and be unrecognizable. And uh, once you buy equity in a company, you can't unbuy it, right? You can't uh, you can't say, well, you know, it didn't quite work the way we thought, or there was a government issue in this market we didn't expect. So let's put a halt to it. You can't put a halt on equity. This permanence, commitment, and buy-in into the company's success can breed phenomenal sustainable impact. Listen to what happened to one company just months after they received a large equity investment from TPG Capital. We helped a company called Cellulent, which was a payments company in Kenya, and they raised almost $50 million from an investment fund called TPG, TPG Rise. And I went back to Kenya about two or three months later, and the company had already completely transformed. They had added 200 plus people. They had moved offices into much bigger offices. It was just a completely different company within a very few months. And as I was saying, these are well-paying jobs in markets where unemployment is 40%. And so each of these jobs is filled by somebody who has, on average, about seven dependents. So if you do the math, if these companies um, raising this money can add three, 400 people, you're talking about 2,000 people who are, uh, who are impacted directly, meaningfully, economically, immediately through this kind of um, work, and then it multiplies from there. 
And so uh, this is why we say that raising money from commercial funds, what, the way we do, is arguably one of the most impactful ways um, to operate in a place like Africa and has arguably at least as high an impact as any other activity. The growth company stage, you know, there are companies that have the potential to grow from, say, $20 million of revenue and a few hundred people to $100 million of revenue and thousands of people. And we've seen that over and over just in the last three or four years. And so the magnification of that, when you multiply all of that by seven and you look at the economic impact, um, it magnifies over time in a way that it's impossible for any other impact-oriented investment to do. As Victor explains, investment partnership drives growth because it tackles one of the largest issues in the developing world, unemployment. There are so many problems in these emerging markets. Sometimes it's hard to know where to start. But let's start with the absolutely most glaring fact, which is that unemployment is, as I said, 40 to 50 percent. And given that the average age, people talk about Africa having you know, billion plus people, which is true, but the average age is 20. And um, when you go anywhere to any large city in Africa, um, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of 18 to 25 year olds who are trying to pick up, you know, whatever work they can because they don't have jobs. And there isn't a manufacturing sector in many of these markets. And you certainly don't want to rely on extractive industries. Those jobs are, you know, a, a real road to nowhere for people. So n- issue number one, issue number two, and issue number three, I would say, is employment. And that you have to have in order to actually have sustainable local economic growth that you can bank on. Um, and there are very few opportunities for really influencing unemployment um, than the kind of growth companies that we work with, because no other companies in these countries are adding tens of thousands of new jobs over the course of a very few years. You know, while aid is hugely valuable to deal with the input, if you will, um, to create more qualified people, you need the output which is something for them to be able to apply their qualifications to. That's exactly what Christy Reagan understood and witnessed firsthand after working with local partners in Rwanda. Women who were once refugees started a company and through partnership were able to employ some 5,000 other women to make and sell baskets internationally. Gahaya Lynx, it sells to U.S. and European markets today. And it was set up by two Rwandan women who had spent quite a bit of time in refugee camps where they had had a dream to empower poor women across Rwanda through work. And it was started by training a handful of women in a few Rwandan communities. And in 2008, under a DAI-led USAID project, I took the two founders, Joy and Janet, of Gahaya Links to Bentonville, Arkansas, to meet the CEO of Walmart, who gave them their first contract with Sam's Club. And this was a huge moment for them. That's the power of local. And that power, after 
20 years has led to 100% of these women weavers now able to pay for their family's health care insurance. 80% of them have bank accounts. 40% have started their own businesses. And 10% have become local community leaders. As we've learned over the past 50 years, our work with local partners not only drives impact, but also innovation, mutual learning and benefit, catalytic change, and inclusivity. Over the next several episodes, we'll unpack these themes and hear from several of our local partners about how they are driving impact and growing their economies. Next time, we head to Vietnam, where we'll discuss innovation and explore how our partnerships have helped foster modern solutions to climate change. The Practice of Partnership is a DAI production. Check out our show notes for links to the research we used in this episode. If you liked the show, leave us a rating, or you can get in touch with me, Megan Howe, on Twitter. For more information, visit our website at dai.com slash practiceofpartnership dash podcast. See you next time.